Lord, we thank you for this time. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you for your son. Pray you give us all hearts to hear and eyes to see and open our understanding to what you want to speak to us, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for the privilege to come into your presence. We ask that you would bless our time in Yeshua's name. Amen. Um, I want to inflict my artistic uh, inability on you for a minute. So, uh, that, folks, is a vine. Use significant uh, amount of sanctified imagination uh, and the vine, of course, is Yeshua. So I've entitled this next few weeks as Yeshua's vine simply because uh, our focus is on Him and our growth is in Him and we grow in Him together, not as rugged individuals. So where I wanted to begin tonight is just by way of a little bit of introduction and that is that um, we take one or two approaches towards the idea of growth. We either have the Meshuggani idea that we sometimes see in the growth movement. You know, if you follow uh, ten easy steps, then you'll be able to crank out all kinds of growth. Uh, that's one approach. The other approach is to kind of uh, uh, tuck your head in and, and do the... Um, uh, who was the character uh, who always complained? Eeyore. Uh, huh? Eeyore. Eeyore, thank you. Eeyore. Do an Eeyore number. Um, and as believers, I think we tend to fall into the one of those two ditches. Um, and I would say the Eeyore routine is probably the most deadly one uh, because it's based on unbelief. Um, and so my premise, my whole premise for these classes is based on the simple fact that God expects us to grow. And sometimes we have a hard time embracing that because we see all kinds of mishigas out there uh, 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 because of the folks who say, if you follow such and such, then you'll be growing. Um, and so we tend to go to the other extreme but this is a basic kingdom principle that if God is around and if God is at work growth will take place it has to uh, because otherwise it's an indication that you don't have life because life is based on a simple principle of Reproduction. If you have life, you have reproduction going on. If you don't have life, that doesn't happen. And so, um, because we know who God is, we understand that His will is for His kingdom to expand. 
Okay, how does God's kingdom expand? Hmm? To discipleship. Discipleship, and that means what? One person at a time, and let me inflict my another of my artistic. Uh, here's a stone, and you throw it in the water, and it ripples outward. In other words, if God is working with us, then what has to happen is that it has to ripple outward to other people and that's that's part of the growth and sometimes what what happens is that God does his work invisibly so that we don't see what he is doing and so we assume that because we don't see what he is doing that there's nothing happening but sooner or later what is happening invisibly has to somehow transcend or or come into visible reality and then we have growth and this is something very important for us to get our arms around especially for us who are committed to the messianic vision uh, because we know that there's a significant amount of spiritual pushback and opposition uh, you talk to anyone who has been in messianic work or work with Jewish people to one extent or another you will hear the same refrain over and over and over and over again that we seem to invite more opposition more spiritual harassment and it's not because we're cute and clever that's part of reality uh, reality is that God is committed to the nation of Israel his work has always come through the people of Israel his work continues and will expand to the nation of Israel and so uh, if there is which there is uh, spiritual opposition Satan by the way means someone who is the opponent then you know that if God is for Israel Satan is going to be opposed so we understand all that however we have to come to the reality that growth is a basic part of the kingdom principle and that as we see uh, in Egypt the early chapters in Exodus we see that the kingdom of God expanded in the face of opposition and so when we understand some of these spiritual principles we understand that God is committed to bring about growth in each of us individually and in us as a congregational mishpacha um, part of the picture that of course we want to be very very uh, diligent to acknowledge the fact that whatever takes place has to be Yeshua focused because part of what happens sometimes is you begin to grow outwardly visibly and you get excited and, and, and you get giddy and somewhere in the picture uh, the one who fills the screen and occupies central place is you and and what you're seeing visibly and Yeshua is taking second seat that's not what we want the Lord always has to be numero uno uh, and so part of that also is the fact that this is something that requires um, a special pair of glasses what do I mean by that is that our reality about growth 
has to be based on faith. That we trust that because God is at work, because He's alive and the kingdom of God is expanding, that growth will take place. So, that's kind of the premise for all of this. And I wanted to start tonight by looking at Ephesians 4, verses 11 to 16. So let's read it and then begin to dive into it. See, Greg, you look like you're volunteering. Um, four through one you, through what? Uh, Eleven through sixteen. Chapter four. Yep. Yeah, Eleven through sixteen. Yes. It was he who gave some to be disciples, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every, bit, every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of men and their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head, that is Christ. From him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love, as each part does its own as each part does its work. And you're reading from which version? Okay. So I, I wanted to go through this verse by verse as kind of the um, the, the foundation for what we're going to do and next week I'd like for us to look at John chapter 15 which is the par Yeshua's teaching about the vine uh, because we, we want that to be front and center alright um, so beginning in verse 11 you may have heard people refer to this as a fivefold ministry fivefold gifting by the way that was not disciples that was apostles um, and and part of what I wanted to draw a distinction here uh, between the gifts that have to do with holding an office, a spiritual office of some kind, and gifts that are at work but without a title. And what do I mean by that? Part of the picture for us is that we feel, unless I have a title, that I'm not capable of serving God. And so what we need to understand is, is first of all, uh, here, and also in, uh, second, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and in Romans chapter 12, uh, where you have a bunch of spiritual uh, gifts listed, they're not all-inclusive, which means that there are probably as many spiritual gifts as there are people, God's people. Uh, what Paul does in, in at least a couple of these uh, sections is say something like, oh, by the way, uh, God gave all kinds of spiritual gifts, and let me rattle through a number 
here's this, 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 and this, and then he comes and does the same thing in another section. Uh, the point simply is to remind us that each one of us has at least one spiritual gift. Uh, again, remember, we're talking about things being faith-based, uh, and that is based on not us necessarily feeling like we're gifted, but reading the Word of God that says each one of us has been gifted, and so we say, okay, Lord, I accept that as reality. Uh, whether I feel particularly gifted or not, I have been gifted for at least one, one particular job in the kingdom of God. Um, and the other distinction I wanted to make is that you can have a particular gift without having the title. So here it speaks about the, the pastors, the shepherds, and the teachers um, in, in lots of ways. It is our, our hope, for example, that at Yeshua we will have a lot of shepherding take place. What do I mean by that? That uh, care for individual people, individual sheep as it were, uh, will come not from those who have the title of being the, the shepherds, but from the rank and file because the shepherding ability is something that doesn't need to come from someone who has a title, right? Mm -hmm. And the same thing is with, with teaching. Uh, you have those who hold the office of the teacher, or rabbi, or pastor, uh, but it is our expectation that the Word of God will spread and increase so that you have more than one person teaching the Word of God. Because that's, that's what we see in the book of Acts, where the Spirit of God was poured out and you have the Word of God spreading through the rank and file. Not necessarily through the, uh, through the apostles, but through people who had um, embraced the Word of God and it became part of them and became naturally for them to speak the Word of God to others. So, um, teacher pastor and evangelist, here's another one. Um, there are some people who are particularly gifted as evangelists. Uh, my father was one of those. He, he had special gifting from the Spirit of God. He can talk to anybody, anywhere, anytime, and somehow in there, somehow the conversation would come to Yeshua. Um, I, I certainly don't feel that. You know, and there were many years where I would go, ah. However, the Word of God tells us that each of us has been called to make disciples. So what does it mean to make a disciple? Well, A, it means that we have learned ourselves to be disciples, to be followers of Yeshua, to uh, obey His commands. And secondly, that we are receptive to the notion that God wants us, He wants that to overflow and to touch others so that others also become Yeshua's disciples. And that's what an evangelist does. He spreads the, the good news, but that's something that all of us should do, whether we have 
uh, an office as an evangelist, whether we have uh, a special gifting as an evangelist um, or not. And even com- even when we talk about prophecy, there is the office of someone who is a prophet. We don't see a whole lot of bona fide, what I would consider bona fide prophets. There are some. I've been blessed to experience the Word of God spoken to me through someone who really has a prophetic gift, whom I would call a prophet. Uh, but when you think about prophecy, what is prophecy? Redirecting to God. Redirecting? To God's ways for redirecting. Like pointing an arrow to God's ways. Okay. In what way, though? Through His Word. Through His Word. See, that's the thing. Prophecy basically has to do with proclaiming the Word of God in a particular situation. Now, it's not like standing and explaining this is what uh, the book of Jonah talks about or this is what the book of Matthew talks about. Uh, But prophecy is being gifted by the Spirit of God somehow to communicate what God wants to say in a particular situation. And that doesn't need to be someone who is an office holder. Um, it can simply be someone who, who receives a special gifting at that particular instance. Now, it's pretty spooky when that happens, because when it happens, you, you step back and say, Wow! Uh, that really was was God talking, you know. And I I, I remember um, a very humble brother came to Yeshua Tzion. He's come off and on for a while, and he came to me after the service on one Shabbat. And he says, "Can I pray with you?" I said, "Sure, I'll, I'll take I'll take whatever prayer you can get. Well, yeah, you'll give me." And so as he was praying, he was just launches into this prophetic mode where he says, I am seeing God has shown me that the congregation is going to grow and it's, I, I'm seeing it expanding. And I thought, oh, okay, that sounds good. Um, and I've learned over the years to say, okay, it can either be God speaking or it can be baloney. Baloney I'm not interested in. I've had lots of it. Um, if it is God speaking, I want it. And so it was very clear as I listened to this, to this guy um, that I knew that what was coming out of his mouth was prophetic. Now, he's not a prophet in the sense that he has an office somewhere. He's a very humble brother. But So, so this is part of the picture. Uh, Yeshua provided all kinds of gifting to be used for the expansion of his kingdom specifically through a body of Messiah. Um, Body simply has to do with the notion that it's something organic versus the word church, which in people's, or or synagogue, although we like synagogue, uh, in people's minds that's something very, very official and and, uh, you, you go to it uh, the notion of something being a body means that it's something that grows. 
and, and, and the Lord uses that kind of a picture. So let's go on then to verse 12. And the purpose why Yeshua gave these gifts was to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Messiah may be built up. Now you notice that it doesn't say anything in there that the gifting were given so that I would become happy. and that I would become self-fulfilled or self-actualized, etc. Uh, what's the reason why these gifts were given? For the building up of the body. Which means? That we'd all grow. Okay, the building. But how does the building... How, how does the building grow, James? <coughs> Someone has to build it. Someone has to build it. How do they know how to build it? He gives them the wisdom gifts to do it. Okay, so we're talking about gifts here. Okay. What about those who don't have those particular gifts? <coughs> They'll learn to, to discover their gifts... How do they learn? Through discipleship. Through discipleship or, in this case, equipping. Yeah. They're equipped or trained. Um, I know that, that different translations uh, render this word differently. Um, that that uh, people should be perfected. Um, the, the word that's used there really has the sense of getting people prepared or equipped. Um, equipped for work. Work of service. Now, this is not something that uh, we're particularly thrilled about because we are sometimes allergic to work because we do the work out there and we come to God's house and we figure that somebody else is going to do the work. You know, the professionals. Now, I remember one time we came to a, uh, a home group and uh, it was time to eat. And uh, I encouraged the, the host to offer a bracha, a blessing. And he said, no, 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 you're the professional. And at that point, I wanted to pick a shoe and throw it at him. Um, the, the point is that um, the gifting is given so that we would become equipped to do the work. Uh, you don't have consumerism in the kingdom of God. 
You know, the notion that I come and I pay good money, well, supposedly, uh, so that somebody else uh, will do the work, that's not something that we find in Scripture. And yes, it's true that that those of us who are full-time, etc., need to be supported, but um, the Word of God shows us 100% participation. Every single one of us has been called to do the work of the service in, uh, to God. Um, and yes, we, we need to be prepared and equipped, and that requires some basic humility, because it means that we're willing to be teachable, regardless of what we have learned someplace else. Um, and sometimes we're not willing to, to listen. Uh, remember when we began Yeshua Tzion, um, I got a call from a fellow who wanted to be part of us, and he said to me, um, I want you to introduce me as the co-pastor. And I said, okay, I really don't know you. Um, and his, his response was, well, I have done this, 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 and this already. And I said, well, that's fine. However, you need to get to know us and vice versa. My point simply is not to slam this guy, but simply to say that part of the process for all of us, regardless of how much experience and training we've had, is we bring an attitude of humility that says, I'm willing to learn. Regardless of what I've done here, 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 I'm willing to learn, I'm willing to be trained, I'm willing to be equipped so that I can do what it is that God has for me to do here. And by the way, this phrase, work of service, um, where do you think it comes from? It comes from the Torah. Numbers. Numbers chapter 4, verse 47. Let's turn to that. Forty-seven. You're volunteering, James. Go for it. It's King Yaakov. That's all right. It was good enough for Paul and. That's right. <laughs> From 30 years old and upward, even unto 50 years old, everyone that came to do the service of the ministry and the service of the burden in the tabernacle of the congregation, even those that were numbered of them, were 8,504 score. You say, okay, what does that mean? Well, I want to lift a phrase in there that talks about the work of service. Mlechet avodah, and the phrase... Uh, that appears over and over again uh, in the Torah in relation to the building of the tabernacle is this word avodah which means two things it means worship and it means service Ebed Adonai, servant of God 
is one of this is one of the basic words for worship in Hebrew in in Scripture, which simply means you can you can't serve God and not worship Him. You can't worship God and not serve Him. Not possible. The notion of you coming, singing a couple songs, waving your hands a little bit, offering uh, a prayer, putting something, a shekel or two in, in a pushka, uh, that's not the biblical model. Uh, it, doing the work, we've been equipped by God who then has us undergo training so that we can do the work of service for the building of, of God's house. Now notice who is the one who is doing the work in Ephesians chapter 4. Let's come back to Ephesians 4. is doing the work of service. God's people. Which means everyone, including you. Right? All of us. Because that's that's the model of the of the kingdom of God. Growth takes place because you have 100% participation. And unfortunately what you have is what's been called the 2080 principle, which means that 20% of the people do 80% of the work. Now, I don't, I don't see that in the Bible. Maybe you do, but um, gifting, giftedness for the sake of equipping God's people so that the work of service can be done, avodah, so that God's house will be built. We know it's His will, because that's what the good book says, which means that each one of us has a place in this work. Right? Mm -hmm. No. Yes? Yes. yes. Okay, I'm just, just checking. Um, and part of the process is that there are characteristics of what it looks like. How? What does the building process look like? And so let's go on to verse 13. <clears throat> Until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining the whole measure of the fullness of God. So somehow, here in verse 13, you have a couple of items that are that are identified and isolated and part of the goal in in the process of building is what unity unity okay why is that a big deal People are working together and they're not pulling in the same direction and nothing can be done. You know? And you can't have 
you can't have the goal over here and five people all pulling different direction. Right? Uh, Amos 3.3 3. How can two walk together unless they be agreed? If you don't have a basic common vision, then you're going to have one person going this way, one person going that way. Which is why at Yeshuatzion we have a vision membership class to talk about what does it mean to be part of Yeshuatzion. Has God called you to be part of us? Um, okay, so what's the vision that He has for you? What's the vision He has for us? And the reason why we've instituted that you know, 20 years ago, or more like 30 years ago, when I had a, a few more uh, uh, brown hair, someone is wanting to come in. Come on in, folks. Um, what we were seeing is that people were coming and saying, oh, okay, Messianic congregation. That's what a Messianic congregation is supposed to look like. Therefore, you need to be doing this. And then someone else would come and say, Messianic Jewish congregation needs to look like this, so you need to go this direction. And if you were to listen to everybody, you'd go Meshuggi. Um, most of all, because who do you need to listen to, first of all? The Lord. Either He gives you a vision or He doesn't give you a vision. Proverbs 28, 17, without a vision, the people go goofy. They pull in different directions. So unity is essential because of that, but there's another big reason, folks, why unity is essential. Real simple reason. Well, the example Yeshua gave was his being in unity with the Father. Okay. That's our standard. So, unity is essential because we are messianic. We are like Messiah. And if Messiah was in unity with the Father, then he is our model. We are to emulate him. So, we know it's God's will for us to be in unity. And another reason that's part of that is that in John chapter 17, which is the Lord's Prayer, by the way, people talk about the Lord's Prayer as in our Father, etc. Uh, John 17 is really the Lord's Prayer where He is having long, intense conversation with the Father. Uh, four times, four times, folks, in John 17... Yeshua prays for His disciples to be one four times in this chapter. Verse 11, verse 21, <coughs> verse 22, verse 23. Verse 23 is kind of the uh, completion of that where, where Yeshua says, I pray that you will bring them into complete unity. Great. Um, I go back to um, Galatians 3, too, that it goes back to the humbling, like you talked about at the beginning. We can be a doctor or, or king of the universe outside, but when we come to the Lord, we all take a different, we lay our crowns down, and we all become one in Him. And there's no master, there's no slave, there's no Jew, Gentile, there's no, you know, 
that's what Galatians talks about. And I think that's the whole concept of we all have to get on the same level. We're all second to Him. Right. There's only one. Right. And through that, then we're all then we can grow. That's that's a huge part of it. The other issue is we're all pulling the same direction. <coughs> um, the notion of being unequally yoked. Remember, Scripture says, "Don't be unequally yoked." It basically had to do with the fact that a yoke was for two two animals, and and you can understand that if you had uh, an oxen and a donkey in the same yoke, you would have serious problems because the the oxen would go this way, the donkey would go this way, um, and so unity is something that is repeated here because if if there is gifting that God gives and if the gifting is invested properly so that we are all becoming equipped and trained to serve God then part of the process Paul is saying is that we will grow together in unity towards Yeshua and we'll talk more about about unity the following week because that's a major a major issue something that we don't come to naturally because when you think about it human nature is um, if if I say something then your inclination is probably to say well on the other hand here's reality you know and you bring a bunch of people together and you have not just with Jews although you know with our people it's it's particularly egregious, you know, where you have two Jews, you have five opinions. Seven. Uh, seven. But, um, but it's human nature, you know. If, if you were to take all the folks in Yeshua Zion and you were to do a survey about different things, you would get a whole bunch of different answers. And so, somehow, the Spirit of God brings us into unity. That's a miracle. Um, I'm not sure I'm clear as to in what sense are you talking about unity? In other words, um, are you talking about unity in that we all believe the same thing about Yeshua? Or are you talking about unity that we all have the same vision in terms of a, a messianic congregation? Or, you know, in what sense are we talking about unity here? Yes. <laughs> yes, that, that we have the same perspective of Yeshua. Um, yes, that we have the messianic vision. Um, not that somebody else's vision is defective, but it's not ours. Um, and, and we will be talking about uh, uh, defining what unity is supposed to look like in the weeks to come. Uh, unity, by the way, is not homogeneity, which unfortunately a lot of believers mistake unity for homogeneity, that, that if we are united, we're supposed to be Gerber-like, you know, as if God puts us in a blender, what comes out is this uh, amorphous batch where we all uh, look the same, talk the same, raise our hands the same, and so on. Uh, unity, scripturally, is unity and diversity. That somehow that the miracle of the Spirit of God at work is that somehow He takes us 
wild and woolly that we are, and and he gives us a uh, unity of heart, unity of purpose. Um, the other word that I wanted to focus on for um, another moment, and again we'll talk more about that uh, weeks to come, is this word mature. Till we come to the maturity um, in the knowledge um, maturity attaining the whole measure of the fullness of God. So, uh, when you think of maturity, what comes to mind? When I think of maturity, I think of somebody that uh, is not... Not immature. Right. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Not childish. Um, behavior is mature. Behavior is in um, maturity in the Lord, you know, to be blessed by the Lord in what you do and what your service is. So when you're mature in the Lord, you do a service in the Lord. Okay, so you de- you define maturity as humble service. Yes, thank okay. you. All right. Like what? Humble service. Uh, anybody else? Maturity, Stability. spiritual maturity. Stability, like you're stable, you're confident, and you know you're not like staggering or. Which is exactly what Paul is going to be saying in the next verse. So, good point, uh, Danielle. Um, by the way, some translations will have uh, uh, will have this word as perfect, and that's really not a great translation. With all due respect to King Jimmy, um, the Greek word there is teleios. Um, which doesn't mean uh, perfection like a, um, a flawless diamond. Um, perfection in Scripture is never perfection the way we think of. In other words, that there's absolutely no blemishes, uh, no, no, no problems. That's not, that's not the idea of maturity uh, or perfection. Um, it has to do with being farther along in the process. Here is where you come to faith. And, and here is what you're going to look like when you see Yeshua. Uh, 1 John chapter 3, verse 2. When we see Him, we shall be like Him. Why? Because all the junk that's been on us is going to fall when we see Him. When we see the Lord, all this stuff will fall. So this is uh, what we're going to look like when we see Yeshua. But in the meantime, we are on a road, and and it's not really linear because you know you have one step back, two steps forward, and so on. But maturity has to do with where you are in your relationship with the Lord, with your knowledge of the Lord, and yes, with your behavior. Uh, and and part of the growth towards maturity, and we'll spend a bunch more time next week 
part of the growth into maturity uh, is learning what is and what is not mature. Yeah. And I tend to think of maturity as well, just in the general sense, as balanced. The more mature a person is, the less excessive they are in terms of, you know, they have, they balance the weakness with the strengths and they're more um, as they ought to be. They're more as they ought to be. I like that. Hmm. How about we go on to the next verse or two that will give us some additional uh, explanation for what what is involved in maturity. Verse 14. And Linda, would you read that, please? In Ephesians 4, right? Yeah. As a result, we are no longer to be like children tossed around by the waves and blown all over by every wind of teaching by the trickery of men with cunning and deceitful scheming. Thank you. So, this is kind of simple, all right? Real basic. Uh, a mature person is not someone who's immature. Um, acting in a way that is fitting um, for someone who, who has been around for a while. You know, it's, it's the old saying, uh, when, you have, when you have a, uh, a baby, you, you consider them going goo goo gaga and etc. to be perfectly cute, but if you have a 60-year-old person going goo goo gaga, you say, uh, what's wrong with that guy or lady? Um, and so, yeah, maturity, uh, by definition, is something that is not immature. That, that is not immature. But but here it gives us a specific that um, a a spiritual infant or someone who's juvenile is someone who is swept along by all kinds of cute and clever things that come down the pike. And folks. I don't have to tell you, you see that all the time. You have people who are very slick, very, very um, um, influential, very manipulative, etc., etc., and they say all kinds of things, and you hear people buy all kinds of garbage, and at least my inclination is to step back and say, okay. Show me where in a good book you're getting this. Uh, and so maturity means that you don't buy everything that you hear, but you learn to sift. Um, you, you know, Scripture says in 1 John, test the spirits. Test the spirits. Don't, don't accept everything that you hear um, and be like the Bereans the Bereans, uh, we're told in, in Acts chapter 17, were more noble than the folks in Thessalonica. They're both Jews, but the folks in, in Berea had the good sense to say, okay, what you say is interesting and maybe fascinating, but I'm going to go and find out what the good book says. And, and that's, f folks, that's our attitude at Yeshuatzion. We hope, let, let me rephrase that, it is our expectation that as you hear the Word of God proclaimed in one form or another, that you will take it and, and, and you will allow the Spirit of God to speak to you 
to validate what needs to be validated. And none of us stands up and and proclaims the word of God um, like Yeshua did, because we're not. And so we pray a lot that what comes forth is the word that God wants. However, we're humans. So our expectation is that you will learn to sift what you're hearing, and that's part of the process of maturity. Then, then the other part that's even more of a challenge, in verse 15, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head, who is Messiah. Now folks, in about 30 years of ministry, that's been probably the toughest thing that I've seen for people to get their arms around. Um, For a variety of reasons. Because we really don't understand what truth is, we really don't understand what love is. Okay? Truth, folks, is not what we consider to be truth. It's God's truth. It's practical truth. It's, it's how we live life with transparency. <coughs> we don't try to prove anything to ourselves or to God or anybody else. We live life truthfully based on the truth of the Word of God. And so when we speak, we realize what comes out of our mouth is not going to be the pure, undiluted Word of God. Because we're pots of clay. And so when we speak, what will come forth sometimes is the Word of God, and sometimes it's a kind of a mixture, you know? And, and the person has to be discerning to see what is the pearls and what's the stuff that's non-pearly. So that's... The um, maturity you're talking about then is spiritual discernment. It is definitely spiritual discernment, which is what we've seen in in the verse before that. Um, The other issue is we really don't understand what love is. What is love, scripturally? God. Hmm? God. God is love, okay. Well, isn't it 1 Corinthians 13? Love is something, things that you see. Love is what? Things that you see. Uh, love is patient. Love is kind. Love is, um, you know, the fruit of the Spirit. In uh, other words, love is, um, love is something that's done. Mm-hmm. Okay, love is action. Unselfish. Unselfish? For others. Ah, all right, I want to park there. Love basically means that you are seeking the other person's welfare. Speaking the truth in love doesn't mean that so-and-so got me real ticked and, and I'm going to speak the truth to them, which means I'm going to get something off my chest and is it going to be truth in love? No, of course not. The, the focus is on me and, and because I'm, I'm ticked, 
I have to get something off my chest which will supposedly make me feel better. Intent. Hmm? It's your intent. Are you trying to win an argument or are you trying to just share with them the love that God showed you that you manifest in your heart and you're just like a witness in a trial, I'm just telling you what happened, you know, and, and, and putting it out there, not trying to win, not trying to club someone with the Word of God to, you know, make yourself uh, be in a position of uh, authority over them or, or whatever. But it's when you speak the Word in love, there has to be an intent to just to be without yourself, to be selfless. And, and we will spend more time looking at that humility. We'll spend more time looking at that um, in the next weeks to come. But humility has to involve, uh, excuse me, truth has to involve humility. Because there's a basic recognition of the fact that the only one who has 100% of the truth is not you, but God. And so when we speak what we feel is the truth, we better be, pu be pulling our punches. Because what we have is, is a skewed version of the truth. God is the one who has the entire, the entire package. And if we speak like we're God, guess what? We're putting ourselves under God's judgment. Um, so we speak the truth with humility knowing that the Lord is the only one who has the entire package, and most of all, that we do not presume to look into a person's heart and, and claim that we understand exactly what's in a person's heart, understand someone's motives. That's, that's real dangerous. We can, we can look at the, at, at the facts in front of us and say, this is what I'm seeing, but we cannot say, okay, because I'm seeing this, then you have evil in your heart. Joanne. I think this thing about love is, has to be explored more. I mean... Um, and it shall be. <laughs> I'm saying this because I find that what I'm, I often hear, and I heard this in fact just the other day from a, a chap who said, um, you know, I don't think God like wants all these rules, you know. He just wants us to love him, you know. And so, you know, I just, you know, this whole mushy thing about just love God. And, and so the idea is that if ever there is, um, if you ever, if, if, if the occasion arises where you have to point something out in Scripture, you know, when God says, don't do this and don't do that, that that is not loving, you know, because you're judging them. I mean, you, you're talking about judgment. Um, no, we can't tell people what's in their heart. Um, but we can say... I guess you shouldn't shy away on the other hand and, and become too mushy, where there can be no, nobody's behavior can be addressed, you know, because it means we're not being loving. And, and that's where the balance is of truth in love. It's not either or, it's both and. Um, because if, if we're doing the mushy routine, that, then we are ignoring the, the truth of the Word of God. And God is holy and righteous. He expects us to be holy and righteous. And so um, that's why you have both, and that's why that's why we break our teeth, folks. We break our teeth either here or here. It's an unusual person, or let me rephrase it: 
the maturity that God gives us comes in the ability to speak the truth in love. Yeah? I think what helps in that, though, is an actual relationship with somebody because when somebody tries to come in and point their finger at you and they don't know you, that's hard to take. (laughs) Well, that's correct. But even if they know you and they're best buds with you, if they point their finger at you, that still doesn't fit the... No, but I'm saying, like, it's totally different, differently received from somebody you know and cares about you as opposed to somebody who just, you know, is just being, saying, this is what you're doing and it's wrong and you have no relationship with them, it's hard to... Yeah, and, and that's where the love aspect comes in. That love is about, uh, is about the relationship. Um, so, so this is two, two aspects of maturity that are drawn out here. One is uh, ability to sift and discern. The other one is a willingness to speak the truth in love. Now, verse 16, let's look, finish with that. Uh, Yvonne, would you read that, please? From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. And by the way, um, the newer translations do a better job with that. I I read some of the older ones, and it kind of drives you mashugi. It's a complicated complicated sentence. Uh, But the the basics of it is... Several things. Uh, First of all, what direction is the body growing? Towards Yeshua. Again, um, emphasis over and over again is that Yeshua is front and center. So the body is growing towards Yeshua. How is the body growing towards Yeshua? Effectual working. I like that. Okay. Um, effectual, effective working. Here's a, a another Greek word I'll throw at you tonight. Geo. And our geo, which is the word from which we get energy. And it's, it's, it's talking about the effective work. It's not just working for the sake of working, but it's productive work. Okay? Um, but there are two things that have to happen here as part of this effectual work. You have the structural... Structural... And you have the functional. What do I mean by that? As when things work properly with each part of the body does what they're supposed to do, been called to do, been gifted, then you have the structure, which means things hold together. Okay? You don't have you don't have a chaos of a bunch of things floating around, but you have coherence. Okay? Structural. Each joint is connected. And you have the functional, 
And that is what each joint is able to do is transmitted to the other joints which is then transmitted to the rest of the body. So you not only have the structural, in other words, it looks like something's there and together, but it also works effectually. As each member does the work according to what's been given to them. And, and this is again, we talked about faith-based. Here is one of the areas where we get into real trouble because we look at ourselves and we put ourselves down, you know, we're self-deprecating and say, who am I? What do I have to contribute here? Uh, you know, Yvonne is this big macher. She is able to t talk to people and so on and so forth. And, and who am I? Um, ignoring what the Word of God says. And, and this is where we, we have a basic choice. We either accept what the Word of God is saying at face value, say, okay, God, you're right. Of course you're right. Um, you've given me, I'm part of this, you've given me something to do, and because of that, uh, the body is going to be better integrated, more coherent, because of what I contribute. Because without that, the rest of the body is lacking something, and also because of what God has given me, then... I'm able to contribute that so that people get something that they need which is from what God has given me. Again, the emphasis is not on me or my gifts. The emphasis is on our growing together, serving together in unity. So this is where I hope we'll be going the next few weeks. And... Uh, Karen, would you finish for us with a word of prayer? Surely. Father, we just come before you right now. We ask that you would be with all of us to teach us your ways, Lord, to help us to grow in maturity and in unity, Lord. Help us to show love, to speak the truth without being angry. we might bring forth each other and be caring about each other. Be with us this next rest of this week, Lord. Guide us and protect us. In Yeshua's name, Amen. Amen. Amen.